up, Matty Daddy? Another week of that WCW. We're going back to the grind. 1989 Great American Bash. Glory days. You know, girls, why don't you give it to them one more time? Woo, that's who's standing here today. Ooh, wrestling that podcast. Well, I'm a free bird forever. And you can't change me. I'm a free bird forever. I always fly free. He's the man he did it. 89 is the year. Welcome to the Wrestling Mat Podcast. Nobody does it better. Yeah. Tonight, we're talking Great American Bash 89. We're talking current wrestling. We're talking everything, baby. But without further ado, like always, let's get it. Let's do it. All right. Let's meet the podcasters first. We have a man that was injured backstage during our Royal Rumble pre-show. He decided to act for vengeance. We're talking about our kidney warrior. Brian Crickhead, baby, what's up? Welcome. Oh, not much, Matty Daddy. How are you doing tonight? Loving life. We're in a snowstorm, ice storm here in Kentucky. I don't know if you've gotten any of that bad weather. You got some ice on the ground? We're getting close. I'm supposedly overnight. Actually, my wife's there. I got let home from work a little early. And uh, overnight, we're, we're considering having some. So we're keeping our fingers crossed because she's going to go back to work tomorrow. So, Not only that, we, we got a stretcher match tonight between the Kidney Warrior and our next podcaster, the man, the myth, the renegade, Clayton. What's up? What's going on, Maddie Daddy? How you doing? Doing good, baby. That's what I like to hear, man. And let me tell you something. You know, at the Royal Rumble, I attacked this man backstage for his own good, and he couldn't walk away. He had to seek vengeance. And I don't understand it for the life of me. Because what I did that night is going to pale in comparison to tonight. Whoa. Challenge met. And I think Brian's uh, ready to accept that challenge. He's the one who called you out. I think he's ready for it. Brian, can you dig it? Challenge is more than accepted. Like I said, I called him out because he cheap shot at me at the Rumble. I've been at the power plant, been working out. Not that I needed to, because we got to know who we're dealing with here. The Renegade, really? Up and comer? No, washed out. That's right, baby. 89 is on the docket. We're going to get to the Great American Bash. A lot going on in 89, but real quick, we're going to hit you with some quick hitters. We're talking the products now. Breaking news. All right, guys. I'm going to hit you with a couple different ones. You pick what you want to talk. Just kind of feed in our uh, current product right now. We got a a lot going on. We got Dunn and Viler, Finn Fowler. We've got, for the NXT title, that's, you know, we just saw Edge implications. We got that pay-per-view coming up. We got Braun Strowman in the hospital. He's sick. He's losing weight. What's going on there? Nia Jax, oh, went viral. Everybody's talking about it. Of course, you got Inner Circle. You got MJF, and you got Sammy quitting. Elimination Chamber. And then last but not least, what is going on with The Fiend? Brian, hit us with one. What do you got here? 
I actually want to hit on The Fiend, primarily because in our 1989 Great American Bash, his dad, Mike Rotundo, is in this match. So it's a perfect lead-in for that. So, you know, ever since the Inferno match at table letters, Tables, Letters, and Chairs pay-per-view, he's been kind of missing. But from what I understand, behind, behind the scenes, they're recreating a, a new and even meaner match. So I'm thinking later this summer he's going to be the champion. There's going to be... Um, I think Orton will be involved. I think there'll be a ch change of title to Orton, and then he'll he'll meet Orton at some point in time and and be the uh, champion there. So that's kind of what I wanted to hit on. Bam, as uh, Bray Wyatt would say, they've been lied to you, man. That's what we're talking about. All right, moving on. Renegade, hit me with one. Let me let me talk to you about Sammy Guevara quitting the inner circle because I'm going to tell you what I know. We've known for a long time. This was going to happen. It had to happen. Him and MJF, it had to come to a head. And I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did because slow burns are so rare. So they're rare. They're killing Usually, it. They're killing there's two, it. There's two three-week programs that we have to sit through. And we used to sit there for, for feuds for that used to last a year to reach that. Isn't that board. crazy? And, and, and so that's, that's something I have to give AEW props on because not only did they give it a slow burn, but they paid attention to detail. If you'll notice, when Sammy Guevara left, Okay, he did not exit out the heel tunnel. He exited out the face tunnel after thinking about it for a second, signifying he is done. And you know, whether it be him and Jericho next, whether it be him and MJF next, it's going to be great. Dude, so MJF is just another dynamic piece to add to that puzzle, just being the heel that he's been and then teaming with Jericho uh, against the tag team, rap is crap, all that. You know, it's been... It's been entertaining from my AEW side. I am just blown away every week by their product. R.I.P. Um, less sex gods. <laughs> oh, God. It's it's good, baby. It's good, baby. Uh, last but not least, I'm going to just – it's still early, but Elimination Chamber, the Wrestling Mat Podcast, will be putting on a live stream that Sunday during the matches. Definitely worth checking out. But I wanted to talk about this Raw Elimination Chamber match. Drew McIntyre, the champ, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy. Wait, yes, I said Jeff Hardy. Oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, yeah, Jeff Hardy. Um, we saw Sheamus make his impact this week, the Celtic Warrior, and then, of course, the Miz. To me, this is a stacked chamber match. It's kind of weird. I definitely thought I'd see some more young blood in it, but... What a match. We saw Shane McMahon and uh, AJ Styles' bodyguard kind of make that look at each other. That I was like, ooh, are we planting seeds here? Uh, entertaining. Dude, the, the chamber's around the corner. I can't wait. Just We're on the road to WrestleMania. But tonight, we're talking WCW. Woo! That's right. 89, let me hear a woo. Woo! Woo! We could woo all night. But I'm going to pop open one of these. I'm going to let Brian feed us in on uh, year 1989. I was two years old. I think Clayton was still a little baby. They didn't call the Maddie Daddy. They called it the Maddie Baby because I was two years old sucking on the tit. So, Brian, feed us in on 1989. What's up? Oh, man, 1989. I was, a, I was a junior in college. Unlike the renegade, I'm getting ready to spank. I, I'd already gone through that phase. <laughs> So, 1989, I was, like I said, I was junior in college. 
I was enjoying um, – I, I went to college at Vanderbilt here in Nashville. I was actually enjoying watching them play basketball back then because they were 12-6 and six in the SEC and made the NCAA tournament. So that was a good time. Then there were a lot of, uh, a lot of big uh, sporting events. Um, the, uh, the 49ers beat the Bengals 20-16 20, 20 on John Taylor's less-than-two-minute uh, touchdown. That was an awesome game. Um, in March – Glenn, the Glenn Rice led Michigan Wolverines beat Seton Hall to oh, win the NCAA. Dude, Glenn Rice. I'm, I'm Glenn Rice right there. Glenn Rice, three point shooter, uh, played for the Knicks, the Lakers. I, I know he played for the Heat, but big, big uh, Glenn Rice fan here. I'm glad you brought him up. Keep going. My bad. Oh, that's okay. He was like a one man show for for Michigan for sure. And then uh, later, uh, during the World Series, there was an earthquake. I believe in Game Two that uh, I was watching that game live and uh, all of a sudden the camera started shaking. That was just the weirdest, weirdest feeling nice. in the world. And um, wound up being a, being a four game sweep for the A's over the giants, but uh, television show came out at the time at that year, um, both Seinfeld and the Simpsons premiered. So, so no soup for you and the Simpsons crazy. Uh, I want to I want to jump in on this. Berlin Wall came down, so we had the Berlin Wall come down. We had the first Lexus made. Um, eighty nine, eighty nine, eighty nine. We're about to talk Great American Bash, Terry Funk, Ric Flair main event. Nineteen eighty nine. You know what Terry Funk was doing other than just wrestling? Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze, Terry Funk, Roadhouse. One of my favorite movies. Dalton. Brad Wesley, shaboom, shaboom. Anyways, I could just keep going. Ultimate movie. Anybody listen to this pod, go watch Roadhouse. It'll change your life. Um, so, yeah, 89 is a crazy year. We got the frat house, animal house, party animal. Uh, Brian, how old were you, Clayton, 89? Uh, I would have been turning four years old that year. Four years young. We just little babies compared to this. I'm telling I think you. I think that's why we enjoyed this 89 years so much, like going back. Um, but let's break it down, man. Great American Bash 89. It's called the Glory Days, considered by many one of the best pay-per-views ever. Not just an NWA, WCW. We're talking WWF. Like, that's how highly rated this thing is. Um, and I think Glory Days is rather fitting for this great American bash event. So I'm going to go over who our announcers are, our refs uh, backstage, just because that's how we start this one. Um, we got Jim Ross and we got, uh, what's his name? Bob Cootie. Coodle. Is that right? Coodle. Uh, Coddle, I, knew, I think. Coddle. Bob Coodle. I know, I know. Cuddle. I know nothing about him. I don't know why I just keep butchering his name. Uh, Jim Ross, though, this was a different style to Jim Ross. Young Jim it, Ross. Yeah, it didn't seem as much of the entertainment aspect as more than like, I see why they call him like a football announcer. Almost. Mm -hmm. Did you kind of see that, Brian? Like he was going over player profiles. He was telling you what college they went to. I never got it when they make fun of him about that. Well, that's, that's amazing. That's kind of the amazing thing is how many of these wrestlers actually um, played played college football. Um, doc, like like you said, at some point in time, uh, he was really excited about Doctor Doctor Death Steve Williams. But that being said, Ross is a huge Oklahoma fan, 
and that's where that's where Williams played his college football. So that's the connection there. But like I said, there were a ton of wrestlers in this event that actually had played college football. So pretty neat. That's, what was also wild was uh, seeing Gordon Soley as the backstage interviewer. Um, to many, he is like basically as one of the most like influential, greatest wrestling announcers ever. And that was the one thing I kind of, I knew who he was and I was really hoping that maybe he would make his way down to the announce desk, but we, uh, we never got that. Um, do you have any Gordon Soley uh, memories, Brian? Um, no, like you said, he was just, he was just an awesome character. Um, primarily on, on like the Saturday night shows and stuff. And yeah. what, what I don't really get here, like we said, Bob, Bob, whomever, Caudle, why couldn't he? Why couldn't he been the interviewee as opposed to Gordon Soley? Maybe match up Jim Ross and Gordon Soley since we're doing some booking here. Yeah, I mean, you knew Jim Ross had that like uh, appreciation for him. We've heard Gordon Soley. We're gonna have to get him on another show, but that was kind of cool. And then the funny thing, uh, ref wise, Tommy Young. I don't really know him, but Nick Patrick, I think everybody knows from the uh, WCW NWO angle, really made it big. He was the NWO rep, but here in '89, he's still he's still refing. It's like, you know, it's the modern day Armstrong ref. Uh, I'm all of them. There's a bunch of them, but uh, yeah, let's get to the event: Baltimore, Maryland, July 23rd, 1989. Up first. The $50,000 Triple Crown, two-ring, King of the Hill Battle Royal. We get everybody out with the – everybody's wearing a crown. That's like your uh, your invite to this party, this Battle Royal. So, basically, they start in one ring. Once you get eliminated, you go to the ring two for a loser's Battle Royal, kind of like a consolation. And, basically, the winner of each ring gets faces for the 50000 so you get pretty much, uh, if you get thrown out, you're not out till you hit the second ring. Anyways, let's uh, let's talk about it, because we had the skyscrapers finish it off, and uh, that's how it kind of ended. Um, I want you guys to kind of say who's all in the match and then kind of talk us through, because we know Dan Smivey, Psycho Sids, skyscrapers, and the Teddy Long coming up. But let's break down the match. Clayton. So the participants in this match, you've got all but one doing double duty in this pay-per-view. And the one being, uh, who was it? Scott Hall. Scott Hall is in this yeah. battle royal and does not appear again the rest of the pay-per-view. Everybody Blonde hair, Scott duty. Hall. Oh, hey, young looking. I mean, <laughs> fresh, brother. No, you had Eddie Gilbert. You had Terry Gordy. You had Scott Hall. Bill Irwin. You had Brian, flying Brian Pillman, I should say, Ranger Ross, Mike Rotunda, Ron Simmons, Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, Steve Williams, Kevin Sullivan, Sid Vicious, and Dan Spivey. Now, when you think about that, you think about all those names, some big names in there, brother. That's a lot of headline. Dude, crazy. Just seeing these guys, it wasn't even like the Pillmans the Rotunda, the Steiner, the Simmons, like Simmons, Ron Simmons is the first guy eliminated. Mm -hmm. And these are, these guys are all just scratching the surface. Um, crazy battle Royal. Brian, fill us in a little bit more about how it went down. Yeah. So, um, 
one other one other name I don't remember was Simmons on on um, a later card event. He may or may not have been. I'm not sure that he was. Uh, I don't might, know. He, he was the first. Right. I don't think so. You know what? You are right. Damn. He's one of those bigger names you would have thought would have gotten a little bit more more airtime. Here he is going out first in, in, in the elimination, and then he doesn't get on later either. So I'm kind of surprised by that. But um, like you said, there there were um, there were 14 men who started. They all started in ring A. Um, and then it just, it just um, you got thrown over the top ropes, and then you wound up going to ring B. And then – in order to get eliminated from all together, you had to get thrown out of ring B. So um, the, the way it wound up, um, Sid Vicious actually and Brian Pillman were the last two in ring A, kind of uh, speed versus strength. And ultimately, Pillman got uh, got thrown over the top ropes and into ring B. So then there, there in ring B, your final, your final guys were Spivey, Rotundo. Like I mentioned, he's the Fiend's father. And Dr. Death Steve Williams. Um, Dr. Death Steve Williams eliminated Rotundo. And even though Rotundo was supposed to be completely out of the match and he's outside, he decides that he'll that he'll help get uh, Williams eliminated. So Spivey becomes Spivey becomes the winner in ring B. And then they were supposed to the winner of ring ring A and ring B were supposed to fight against one another for the entire fifty thousand dollars. But since they're on the same tag team, the skyscrapers, they just decided, hey, we'll just uh, split the money and keep Teddy Long happy. So, dude, and the fans were pissed when that happened. They were. That's the other thing about this this car, dude. The crowd was hot for every match. Um, it's not like now where they're kind of in and out. Like this was it, man. '89 wrestling was on fire. Uh, I want to talk about these names, Terry Gordy. Uh, fabulous Freebirds. We'll see him later. Steve Millie Williams, Mana Cart. You know, this was the debut of the Steiner brothers, like right around this time. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? I think you saw Scott Steiner wearing yellow tights, didn't even match his bro. Uh, just kind of weird, man. Kevin Sullivan goes on to be the Taskmaster. Just some of these guys, Sid, 29 years old during this. And you could just tell he was green, dude. He was like, he wasn't, he was, the crowd ate him up, but he wasn't really into it. And then, like we said, Ron Simmons eliminated first. Damn! But you get skyscrapers. I'm going to talk more about Spivey later. But Sid and Spivey, uh, you could tell they were over to win this battle royal. And then it sets up because then backstage, we get the Teddy Long promo after he called his guys out of the ring. So let's, uh, let's play that. Let me tell you something, player. Holla, holla, holla. Teddy Long, a.k.a. the Daddy. My skyscrapers didn't fight. We're splitting a lot of cheddar. That's 50,000K, baby. Next time we got to call somebody out, I don't care if it's Steve. I don't care if it's the Road Warriors. Woo, woo, woo. Ric Flair, it don't matter. Because the skyscrapers are on fire. Tag team matches. Maybe get the Undertaker in there. Holla, holla, holla. All right. Thanks, Matty Daddy. That was pretty good. Yeah, Teddy, Teddy Long promo. The comb over. He was missing a couple teeth. It was weird seeing Teddy Long as a manager. We've seen him as a ref. Weird. We've seen him as the SmackDown GM. 
Um, holla, holla, holla. Teddy Long. Clayton, give me your Teddy Long. Holla, holla, player. Better watch holla, out before I make player. you go one-on-one -on -one with The Undertaker. That's right. Two-on-two -two tag team with The Undertaker. Holla, holla, holla. All right. We're done with the Battle Royal. We get, which I thought was weird, so the Battle Royal's over. Guess who's coming back to the ring? Brian Pillman and Bill Irwin. Like, like we said, double duty this pay-per-view. Brian Pillman defeated uh, Bill Irwin. Made good use of both rings, flying back and forth. But uh, crossbody for the win, 10 minutes in. JR hyped this. He was like, this is the best match you'll ever see on a VHS ever. Just shows you the time we're in. Clayton, what about Pillman and uh, Irwin? Any takeaways? As far as Bill Irwin goes, now, I think a lot of people know that he went on to be in the WWF as the goon. Okay. Yeah. And that, that was kind of the height of it for him. And it, it's kind of sad because in this match, you see, he's a good worker. He really, really is. He sells, he bumps well. I mean, he just, he's a good worker. And then, and then looking at flying Brian Pillman, I looked into, I did a little deep dive on Brian Pillman because I love Brian Pillman, but I didn't know yeah. that much backstory. Did you know that at 5'10 and 228, he played nose tackle for Miami University, Ohio? Nuts. Blew my mind. After that, he went on to play linebacker for the Bengals for six games before he got released and went to play for the Stampeders in a preseason for the Bills. I didn't realize he had that much football history. That's crazy. Like, to think that he played for the Bengals yeah. as a linebacker at five. I mean, dude, he's yoked. You can tell. Like, mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a Husky five, 228. Yeah. Uh, dude, Brian, Brian Pillman, then he turns into just – the crazy you the can even cannon. see the loose can you can see those mannerisms like throughout the match just little things he did uh yeah bill Irwin, the goon i couldn't i didn't even want to look him up i was like i don't know who this i just kept thinking a uh, crocodile hunter holy snipes yep but obviously that's not that's uh what is his name bruce Irwin. i don't even know that's, poor guy that's exactly uh, the Brian, visual i got yeah, let's. Uh, I'm glad I'm not. We're not alone. It was actually a really good match. That's one thing to keep in mind about this whole card. I would consider Irwin, you know, like like Clayton said, he was a good worker. But you know, when you're looking at the star lineup of this whole card, you would say oh, maybe bottom five, bottom ten guys on the card at least. Yeah. But he he performed well, and you know, in, in a lot of the match, he actually controlled the match until until of course. Pillman was able to do his number one thing, which is, you know, being high flying, just like his name says. And, being, you know, when he was kept on the mat, Irwin controlled the match. He controlled it for quite a bit of time. But, uh, you know, like I said, Irwin, Irwin did just fine. He, he did well considering, you know, he's not, he's not a huge name by any means. But I thought he acquitted himself quite well. So it's, it's just crazy to see that Bill Irwin's the goon, you know, at WWE. So then you, you get that, and that's like mid-90s. But then the, I will never forget Brian Pillman when he broke in. Was it Stone Cold broke into Brian Pillman's house, and he pulls mm -hmm. the gun on him on TV? I was watching that live. That was one of those raw moments you'll never forget. It's just, if, if I think of anything, Brian Pillman, Hollywood Blondes, and just that, I'm a Stone Cold Mark. I, I think everybody's a Stone Cold yes. Mark. What? Anyways, yeah. Dude, Pillman and uh, 
Pillman and Bert Bill Irwin to be kind of like the forgotten match on the card. They still pulled it off. Let's move on. We got Paul E. Dangerously hits the interview for a tuxedo match. So without further ado, Clayton as Paul Heyman. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul E. Dangerously. And let me tell you that when I get in the ring with Jim Cornette tonight, I am going to destroy his surgically repaired knee. He has no chance of winning against me. Tuxedo match, cell phone by Paul Heyman. Uh, the Renegade mentioned the surgically repaired knee by Jim Cornette. Uh, we'll get into that later. But we get the skyscrapers versus catching Frisbee, the dynamic dudes. That's right. You get Dan Spivey, Sid Vicious, just did double duty. Now they're getting uh, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas. If you don't, uh, if you don't know about this, you should. Spivey plants Ace with a powerbomb to win nine minutes in. I know Clayton's got a lot to say about this match, but let's hit Brian first. Hit me with it, Brian. Oh man, I was going to defer, but but I know I know part of what Clayton's going to say, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go on that route too. I'll be honest with you. Out of all nine matches, it's by far the worst, primarily because the skyscrapers were just so physically dominant. Um, you know, yeah, they they had. They had a few moves, the dynamic dudes did, but in reality, they were just completely overmatched. And the little unusual frisbee throwing that occurred at the mat beginning of the match, I mean, we're in Baltimore, Maryland. We're not in California. So, you know, they just seem misfit to me. Just weird. California knows how to party. Clayton, give me those takeaways, baby. Ultimate kidney warrior. Let me tell you something, dude. I might not like you, but I agree with you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. I wrote down that this match was the drizzling shits. And I, 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 tried, I tried to look for that, that, that silver lining. And that silver lining for me undoubtedly was Shane Douglas. He, was, he held this match together when it should have fallen apart. I mean, you have the heels the huge monster heels being cheered. You have the dynamic duds being booed. Okay. We want Sid chance echo yeah, the arena. Johnny ACE had hands down the worst hot tag face comeback I've ever seen. I mean, it was just miserable. And then Spivey, almost breaks his neck with a botched power bomb to win. And I mean, it was close. I went back and watched it a few times. It was bad. There, the only, the only redeeming quality of this match is Shane Douglas. I mean, the, the, the way he sells his ass off that that's what I focused on. That was the highlight of it for me. Other than that, two thumbs down. Dude, it's, it's crazy how we're all different. Like we're almost analysts. Cause we go back and watch this. We get our own opinions and just, Sometimes we're on the same page and sometimes we're not. I'm just a weird dude. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so here, here's Maddie Daddy. Uh, I was fucking erect watching the skyscrapers, watching 
freaking Dan Spivey. You know how I remember Dan Spivey? I remember him as the, like, Waylon Mercer or whatever of WWF. Like I said, I'm a new generation guy. And that was the drizzling, like we said, the drizzling shits. Oh, no gaga. But this skyscraper's gimmick, dude, he was, he controlled the match. His facial expressions were just on point. I was a big Spivey fan after watching this match. Uh, Sid didn't wrestle at all in this match. It was very, very weird because he is such a, I think he's a good wrestler. And I think he's, you can tell from entertainment value, he is scary. (gasps) What was that? Golly. Um, But yeah, Psycho Sid, 29 here, just a baby. He's a baby. And that kind of points back to a 29-year-old Psycho Sid is a green guy, but you have wrestlers in AEW and WWE and just from the different style of wrestling now. They'll be 23, 24, 25, just tearing it up. But, yeah, I think we can all agree that the dynamic dudes are dynamic dudes. But, uh, yeah, not not too many takeaways. This one was not the best, but I was real, real impressed with Spivey as a wrestler. I thought the pulling the crowd out of the fa- out of the from the side, grabbing the kid and throwing a frisbee with him, you could tell oh, he did not want to be there. That was it was that just was hard to watch. Yeah, like it just didn't fit. And then, like you said, they were over dog. Uh, the other thing, I I just always go back to Johnny Ace, and he didn't look like he was in in the right place as a dynamic dude, but. I do know he went to New Japan and he was like making serious cash in the nineties under his, whatever gimmick he did. But to me, I just, it didn't fit. And then I just always think back to that. I think it was 2011 slammies where CM Punk just his whole, he just threw Johnny Ace under the bus. And I can, uh, I can kind of see why CM Punk. All right, let's go. Let's go next one, guys. We get a Jim Cornette interview talking about Paul Lee. I want this one, too. Gosh dang, Paul Lee dangerous, stupid cell phone costs way too much minutes. I don't want to fight you, but I'm going to beat your ass. You break my leg, I'm just going to crawl and just still beat you, Paul. Paul Lee dangerous. Double cheese, double mayo, motherfucker. All right. There's a little something different. Sorry for the cussing. Yeah. So we get the tuxedo match. Jim Cornette versus Mr. Paul E. Dangerously. Let's run with it. Brian, tell me your takeaways from this gimmick tuxedo match between two managers. Yeah, like you said, it was a gimmick match, but honestly, for for a novelty slash comic match, I thought it was I thought it was put off pretty well. Um, you know, they had let, let that had some lead up lines about Cornette's knee, and I thought that I thought that was well used throughout the throughout the whole match. Um, started out and uh, started out and dangerously was definitely trying to take advantage of of the knee situation, and they also brought some kind of powder. Um, into the yeah. ring, with, which, which I found pretty interesting. Um, he tried to use it two different times. The first time, it worked great. Um, it did what it, did, it was supposed to, caught, caught Cornette off, off guard, um, kind of gave him the upper hand. 
But at one point in time, they both had their jackets off. And, you know, being the tuxedo match, of course, uh, the goal was to get them down to their skivvies. So it, uh, you know, it went on from there. And the second time he tried to use the powder, um, it was actually kicked to, kicked into his face by Cornette, which ultimately gave gave Cornette the up, upper hand and the upper upper side of the whole thing. And so, like I said, it, even though it was a novelty match, you know, it, it didn't take away from this whole card to me. I, I thought it was entertaining and pretty well done considering things. Dude, this match was entertaining as shit. Um, great. Great back and forth, just the story with Cornette being on the ground and Heyman just, you know, attacking that knee with the cell phone, everything, just kind of just kind of bringing it. Uh, tuxedo match, Clayton, Renegade, I know you have a wedding this weekend. You'll be in the tuxedo. Uh, you say it was your buddy's uh, third, fourth, 16th marriage, wedding, it's his, whatever? It, it's his third. Shout out to my buddy, Billy Bob. I know you're going to keep it this time. You're going to do great. Billy Bob, three weddings, goddamn, goddamn. Uh, yeah, take us, take us a trip down memory lane. Hit us I'm with gonna, it. I'm gonna tell you what, man. Uh, Jim Cornette was over, and I mean over, over. He was rocket strapped, brother. If you heard that pop, one of the biggest of the night. Ah, uh, man, uh, I, I, I can't say much more than 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 Kidney Warrior said here, but you know the powder for the win. It, 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 it was really well put together for, for two guys who typically aren't workers. You know, they got in there and it was a lot of brawl and it was, you know, a little sloppy, but, but it was entertaining as all hell. And those baby blue briefs, brother, went <laughs> on the aisle. I'm going to tell you what I, I, I laughed and I enjoyed it all in all. It was a great match. Dude, and that's, that's a young Jim Cornette, a young Polly dangerously. Love and both Jim these Cornette. guys are killing it, dude. 89, and they're just, like, they were hot, man. Uh, dude, let's keep going. So we, we just had Cornette dangerously. They're going to be connected to that War Games uh, match later on. Let's keep going. We get a little promo with Gary Hart, who I've always had a keen interest from. Um, he's done a lot in World Championship class championship wrestling he's been all over but he was a hell of a manager and to me it was a pure joy just seeing him with the muda I, muda great muda i didn't know how over great muda was but to me uh yeah gary hart dude I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him i can tell he's you know he's like i don't want to break great muda's patience all this stuff he just he delivered from a promo standpoint smooth ass uh, yeah uh, Brian, do you have any like Gary Hart memories at all? Is this somebody you watched during that time frame? No, I'm mean, j- just like in relation to to the great Muda, and um, he, you know, Hart was actually a wrestler himself. I I didn't see his wrestling side beforehand, but uh, you know, um, Muda's Muda's father and then and then Muda himself were both managed by Gary Hart, and so he uh, he oftentimes definitely intervened himself in a match and. He could he could hold his own, you know. There there are yeah. some smaller managers that couldn't hold their own, but Gary Hart certainly could. So so he was kind of with out of professional wrestling by like I think it was 1990. So he was just kind of right there before that big boom that you know a Clayton or a Matty Daddy got to see. So it's kind of cool just seeing somebody. I still thought he had it. I would have uh, liked to see him in WWE or with Vader or with Yoko or just something else. 
But let's move on, dude. This is a throwback match. We get the Steiner Bros, the debut of the Steiners versus they, they end up beating the Varsity Club in a Texas Tornado match. Short match, only four minutes, but it's a lot of action. Um, Brian, what did you get here? Any takeaways from the Steiners Varsity Club? Yeah, well, the first thing, we mentioned Glenn Rice earlier and Michigan winning, winning the um, NCAA basketball tournament. So keep in mind what the Steiner brothers were wearing to the ring. You know, That's they went to true. The gold, well. I get it now. So put two and two together. You know, like you said, this was kind of the beginning of the Steiner brothers. What perfect timing could you have? You know, Michigan actually was pretty good in football back then, unlike now. And yeah, they don't have hardball, didn't have hardball in 1989. So that's probably a good thing as well. But uh, then on top of that, like I said, the timing of this was perfect. Um, thing, thing that I found really interesting, you know, number one, this was a very quick, however hard knocking match and the interesting thing is all four of these guys had had collegiate and or prep backgrounds of you know not not a small time acclaim but they were all very good but uh you know the interesting thing is there was no there was no uh wrestling on the mat or anything like that in this this was just no holds right. barred at all so. you know who was uh you know who was who entered michigan in 1989 on the college football team Desmond Howard. Remember that name? Heisman Trophy winner just shows you Glenn Rice, the, the Steiners, Desmond Howard. And I think it was 91. He ended up winning the uh, Heisman Trophy, kick return, punt return, receiver, everything. Just crazy. Um, Clayton, hit, hit us with it. I see you flexing over there, baby, at those uh, dog face gremlin. Let me hear that bark. I hope you're ready for some deep dives. Ar, ar, ar. Now, check this out. Here's a little piece of trivia for all the listeners out there. John Harbaugh, his roommate in college. What? Flying Brian. No way. Just a little connection there I thought was neat. That is crazy. I'm a fan of the deep dive. No, 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 no. That's a a different Miami. That's Miami of Ohio. Uh, Yeah, it was both. Oh, shit. Okay. They were both there. They were roommates. Yep. Okay. 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 I also dove a little deep on the Texas Tornado Tag Team Match, brother. Let me tell you a little bit about it. The first Texas Tornado Tag Team Match was on October 2nd, 1937. Brian, you can fill us in a little later. I don't know if you saw it live in person. No. It I actually Texas. wrestled in that one. 37. <laughs> but I can still whip your tail. Ooh. It was in Houston, Texas, between Milo Steinborn and Whisker Savage, versus Tiger Dalla and Fazul Mohammed. It was the brainchild of promoter Morris Siegel. Whiskers Savage? Whiskers Savage, that's correct. You the macho man's great-grandpa. You and Whiskers Savage. Couldn't go here, but he had Whiskers, brother. Now, countouts and DQs are traditionally suspended in order to allow for a decisive fall in this match. I was unaware of that. I had an idea, but I went and looked it up because... You know, when, when you have all these weapons introduced early in the match, it kind of makes you think, kind of makes you wonder, what are the rules here? So that's why I dove into it. There were a couple, there were a couple points in this match that, that Rick Steiner almost dropped Kevin Sullivan on his neck with that overhead belly to back or belly to belly. I mean, it was, it was just brutal to watch. I, I saw that and I watched it back a couple times. I said, did he just, did he sell that really well? No, it was, 
it was close. It was close, but Sullivan was good, really good. And like you said, this was I, – I don't know how long the Steiners had been in the business, and they weren't bad. They didn't look green, but every so often you saw something that kind of went, oh, okay, I can kind of see it now. But it was, it was just- a good, good physical match. It was chaotic as hell. <laughs> it, was, it was busy. Intense. A lot of action, real fast. And we're seeing the Steiners in 89. We're seeing Sid in 89. All these different – characters but by 92 they're just polished man it's just crazy that three-year you know performance you know i I, it sounds weird performance and hands uh just they get better real quick Mm -hmm. so we're here to one of our i feel like the last three three matches on the cards four matches that's that's what's crazy about this pay-per-view man like the next four matches we get are just fucking main events. Sting Muda starts it off, ends with a double pin. This only goes about eight minutes. Um, backstory, Great Muda's undefeated. Like, they are pushing him to the moon. Uh, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But this leads where the story can continue. So, Brian, give me your takeaway from Sting, you know, the blonde, 30-year-old Sting versus the undefeated Great Muda. Well, a little bit more background on Muda. You know, I'm, I'm a Memphis guy. Um, Muda actually started there. And so it's, uh, you know, I was familiar with him um, by this point in time. But like you said, he was undefeated. Wasn't, wasn't as big a name on the card just yet as he would be later. But like I said, he definitely had a great background, his martial arts background. And then as my namesake, the ultimate warrior himself, he was a he was a tag team partner with the Stinger. So yeah. needless, to say, needless to say, I'm a I'm a fan of, of Sting. But what was they their were tag both team. I forgot the name of it. Uh Sting and Warrior. Back I'm drawing a mental blank too. Was it the Blade you know, Runner? Blade Runners, it. yeah. Yeah. And he's the TV champ at this point, like, so you see, he's he's not quite the main event, but he's the way they pushed him in this event. He was like, the rocket was strapped, and then over on WWF, you have Warrior and Rick Rude fighting. So you've got both of these guys that are just being the rocket strapped to these guys. Uh, takeaways from this double fin kind of crazy match, double ending between these two guys, Clayton? Man, let me tell you what. This was great back and forth between two absolute technicians. I mean, Muda's moonsault three-quarters of the way across the ring just blew my mind. Effortless. I mean, these guys are just absolute solid workers, just technicians, like I said. And then the controversy, as my boy Eric Bischoff said, controversy creates cash. And this match would lead to some controversy throughout the night. Amazing. Another another good one. The story's not done there, though. It just keeps going to the, uh, you'll see as the event keeps going. But now we get the total package. Lex Luger, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is for your United States champion. So we just had Sting Muta for your TV champ. That's how, how stacked this roster is. Now we're getting Luger, you know, he's he's in between a he's turning heel right here. 
you can kind of see it kind of tells you about the lead up with Stingboat and, you know, Funk and their fight and all that. Luger comes out. You think he's going to help Steamboat and he attacks him. So this sets up the feud, makes Luger a villain. So they get this match and you get Luger getting the win on Steamboat. He doesn't even want a DQ match. He's begging for it not to be one. Yet he's the one who gets disqual or I guess it's Steamboat gets disqualified. But it's just funny that weapons are involved. So let's go let's go right to you Clayton. What did you think of Luger and uh, Steamboat here? I thought that uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's entrance was cool as hell. I mean, to have that much balance, I <laughs> watching him come down that aisle and just just maintain the whole way being carried down. It was it was amazing to watch. And then once we got into this match, let me ask you Maddie Daddy. Do you know what this match has in common with sex while camping? Sex while it, camping. It was fucking Man. intense. Now, let me tell you. <laughs> it was fast-paced. It was physical. If I had a cigarette, I'd smoke it, Snowbird. <laughs> what? Uh, you know, and a couple things threw me off in this match. I'm not going to lie to you. Luger hit a succession of clotheslines that looked more like a babyface comeback than a heel beating a baby down. It really, it really looked like he hadn't fully accepted that heel role or kind of transitioned over to it. You know, he, he's still here trying to trying to get this little this little baby shine, you know, with the clotheslines. And then you have Ricky getting DQ'd after hitting Luger with the chair and just beating him over and over. I thought it was a great match. I really did. It told a story. I mean, it was the psychology was great. It was amazing to me. Dude, and I ten minutes and I was I was happy with it, dude. I was in it's it's fun watching Luger too. Eighty nine Luger. Because we're, we're used to the the WWF Luger. We're used to the Nitro Luger. This is 89, circa Horseman, circa, you know, he's getting that rub too. What's your uh, Luger takeaway here, Brian? Like, do you remember Luger from the 80s? Oh, sure. Um, well, the main thing I, that, I, that I thought about the whole match in general was just how interesting it was in terms of a contrast to style. Because Steamboat had a really good prep wrestling background while Luger was another one of those former football players that we talked about. But like Clayton said, you know, in regards to, he was still developing into the hill. He didn't feel, he didn't seem exceedingly comfortable yet, but he certainly got that way later. And the other part that I found really interesting was steamboat to me has always been your classic wrestler. I mean, you don't usually see him snap and start beating people with chairs necessarily. But uh, I love that part. Dude, and these chops throughout the matches we'll start seeing coming up. Like, it started here, and you hear the chops that Steamboat's given. And I, I can hear them, you know, from my seat here at home. And I'm like, golly, I don't want to be on the receiving end of those. But to me, what a badass match, dude. I thought with the chops, it, it, it was awesome. I think just overall, it was an amazing match. Guys, are y'all ready? We made oh. it. We're talking the War Games match. We're ready. War Games, 18-1989. Road Warriors, Midnight Express, Steve Williams. You get a little promo. Everybody gets a little talking time. Um, they're facing the fabulous Freebirds, Samoan SWAT team. Freebirds. Bad Street. Yeah. 
GTA. Badass street in the USA. I gotta get my Freebirds promos in. Terry Gordy, Jimmy Garvin, Michael Hayes. We're like three peas in a pot. Peas would be jumping if the water wasn't hot, baby. Doot, doot, doot. Uh, yeah, in the Samoan SWAT team, Fatu and Samu with Paul E. Dangerously, we get a pre-match walkthrough with all these given promos. I'm going to kind of leave this match, War Games, because there's a lot going on. Um, we'll take breaks, and I'll kind of let you you kind of tell us what you think about whoever's in. But we start off with uh, Midnight Express, Eaton, and then Freebird, Jimmy Garvin. They start this thing off. Then we get Terry Gordy, Bam Bam Gordy, giving the Hills the good old War Games advantage. Talk me through this, uh, Clayton. Any takeaways from Bam Bam Gordy, Bobby Eaton, and uh, Jimmy Garvin, Freebirds? Man, just you got to love the Freebirds. I don't, I don't care looking back. If you're not a Freebird fan, you're not going to be a friend of mine. Let me tell you what. These guys were so absolute hosses. They were beasts. And then when you have Dr. Death come out, I know you haven't gotten there yet, but I'm going to touch on it. When he presses Bam Bam up into the ceiling of that cage, my word, you look at these guys and they are just absolute break shit houses. Dude, Bam Bam Gordy, man. Like, he's one of those guys that he's not as charismatic as a Garvin or Michael Hayes, but he's a worker, dude. He's a big dude, he's a worker. Uh, Bobby Eaton, the Midnight Express. Okay, that's one. They're over like Rover, but I've mm-hmm. never really connected with them. I don't know if it's because I, I, I grew up on the Rockers and Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, but what about is it's the Midnight Express, right, Brian? That's the Midnight Express, but was that a another big part one of, of your Memphis. 80s fandom? Were you a Midnight Express guy? Sure. Another one of those Memphis connections. So pretty much. Most anybody that started in Memphis, I'll always be a fan of, even if they're controversial or a heel. So, yeah, what about Jimmy Garvin? Do you have any Jimmy Garvin takeaways? His uh, his manager was her name Precious. Is that right, or something like that? Not only is it his manager, but it's his wife for thirty some odd years. Dang, that's crazy. Uh, And everybody knows we're not to Michael Hayes yet, but. The Maddie Daddy has partied his ass off with Michael Hayes. We're both from the Pensacola area. We ran in, we we ran together on those bad streets of Pensacola Beach, brother. Do do do, uh, do do do. Drop top titty tipping time. Do do do. Uh, so the match just uh, moving on. All right, so we got Gordy, we got Bobby Eaton, we got these guys. They're going back and forth. Who do we get next? In my uh, Jim Roth voice, business is about to pick up all oh, sassafras. By God, it's Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Oklahoma. Oh, dude, you can hear it in his voice. Jim Ross damn near had an orgasm with Dr. Death. Steve Williams gets in the ring. Um, Dr. Death, real quick, he cleans a little house. Um, Clayton, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, anything real quick? Uh, he he's an absolute hoss man i mean just like i said earlier brick shit house he was just he was he he never got to the level he should have got to it, it it's sad looking back knowing what he could have been 
you know, and I, I know we'll get into the brawl for all at some point, and I hope to be a part of that. But, you know, when, when they brought him into WWF to kind of give him that push and they got derailed by that whole shit show. I mean, it, man, it's sad knowing what could have been the potential that was there. I'm going to go next on Steve Williams real quick. Uh, just a couple things I know from the Jim Ross show. They just covered Steve Williams in detail. But offensive lineman, I think guard for Oklahoma when they won the national championship against Florida State, locked down Ron Simmons, uh, the nose tackle, Farouk. Anyway, so that was kind of crazy to see. He is way more in his prime. You saw the promo before the match with Steve Williams, and he's holding his own, man. Like, as an entertainer, as a wrestler in 89, he's got the it factor. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like Bam Bam Gordy. They get to WWE and they or you know the goon they just don't get that gimmick that rub that they need so the crowd is hot for the next guy animal rush holy bananas brian the crowd's going gaga hit me with it man brian legion of dune we got animal in here now kicking ass and taking names feed me yeah, he he's just awesome. You know, we, we looked at the we looked at the '92 Rumble previ previously that had the Hawk and Animal in it, and in '89 he was just right there in his prime. So he comes in the ring, you know, keeping in mind that the first five minutes you had two wrestlers, Garvin and also Eaton, they wrestled against one another, and then by by the choice of a coin flip, um, the team with Garvin got the next guy in. So at the point in time that uh, the animal comes in, um, they're one man down. So he's coming in. He's, he's, I believe he's three on two at this point in time, and he evens it up to three on three. He just completely cleaned house. And like I said, he's totally right there in his prime. So he's just an awesome machine, just like, just like Hawk was. So well, that, That's the important part of this War Games match. Like nobody can get a – you have to give up. Um, to be eliminated or quit it's not pin it's not you know anything like that so i feel like the storytelling of this match was for having the swat team with the Freebirds. like what kind of you wouldn't think that would be your tag team you would face against the you know midnight express and uh you know these guys excuse me um so yeah let's keep it going animal Animal enters the match, huge pop. Next, you get the other member of the uh, Midnight Express. Any uh, Midnight Express takeaways, Clayton? The Midnight Express was great, but I, I'm, I'm going to circle back here real quick because Fatu came in right before Sweet Stan uh -oh. Lane. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, when Michael Hayes was on the outside talking to Fatu after saying, after saying that Michael Hayes was going to go in next, no, suddenly Fatu's going in, which was hilarious in itself. But when he's telling Fatu, who we all know is a young Rikishi, is over there, he's telling him, kill, kill, eat, eat, you know, give him yeah, give him his little heart and it out and it hyping him up and it was hilarious. But yeah, I I the the teamwork and, and this is going to back to the hillside, and I'm sorry, it's it's where I go, brother. The teamwork between Fatu and Samu. The Samoan SWAT team. If you watch this match back, look at the teamwork between them, the tag teamwork between them. I mean, it was just absolutely flawless, blew my mind. I could talk about the Midnight Express, but the Samoans really got me here. 
in the Samoan dynasty. We're seeing it with Reigns now, just killing it. Um, yeah, Samoan SWAT team, they held their own. Like, they were probably, you would think, going into this match would have been, like, the weak, the weak point. But even from the beginning, they're outside the ring. They're beating each other up. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, these motherfuckers are crazy. So we finally, like I said, we've got the Midnight Express. we got the SWAT team. Michael P.S. Hayes, baby. Freebird. You can even see he's like, it finally gets to his turn. He's like, do I really have to even go in? Like, he don't want to go in the match. Um, Michael Hayes. I could talk Michael Hayes all freaking day. I know Clayton's got a lot to talk about Michael. Like, you saw him outside the ring making notes. You're a free bird, right? Doot, doot, doot. Doot, doot, doot. I would tell you what, when he when he was sitting there and he was talking to Paul Lee and he said, I gotta go. Damn. You know, that was <laughs> that was that was hilarious. But I, I think what the crowd wants to hear, Maddie Daddy. Oh. I, I know I'm going off script here. Give us give us a PS Michael Hayes story, would you? Dude, uh, I have so many. Uh, just got we took a little quick break real quick and I was talking Michael Hayes, dude, just a straight up G. I've helped I used to work for tips and I've been in the hospitality industry a lot, big part of my life. Helped a lot of NFL players. They're entitled, shall I say. It's a, it's a different feeling doing this fantasy football and doing a deep dive and stuff. It's kind of cool to see that part of them, but it's also cool to see the wrestling side of it. So Michael Hayes, we're both Pensacola. We could talk all day, but uh, he goes, hey, man, I got $20. Will you shave my back? $20 is $20, baby. But, uh, yeah, let's just say nobody shaves a better back than the Maddie Daddy. Yeah. Now, Clayton, before we keep going with this match, there's one thing the Maddie Daddy has realized. I've heard a lot of brothers, and I've heard a lot of dudes. I think we formed the Mega Powers tonight. Well, let me Clayton. tell you something, dude. When it comes to me and the Maddie Daddy brother, you won't find a stronger connection. The Mega Beards unite tonight. Oh, freak out, freak out, freak out. Brian, what, dude, <laughs> tell me tell me your experience with the Freebirds, man. Anything come to mind? Like you said, I'm a mark. I'm, I'm biased. Michael Hayes is the GOAT. So tell me what you think. Keeping in mind that I'm, that I'm usually, not necessarily for the hill, how can you not like the Freebirds? And when they, with their, when they pipe their music in, the whole crowd, you know, whether they're, whether they're pro hill or not the whole crowd is just into it and one thing we didn't mention at the very beginning of this match was just the actual ring presence and ring entrance it almost seemed like you were at a rock concert with those guys coming in so it's so, you know that's just awesome and like like you said he didn't he acted like he didn't want to come in come in the <laughs> ring and then he proceeded to ddt three straight guys so you know yeah he you know in, in regards to you know people are like well this, can this dude wrestle he better believe he can he Hell just yeah. likes to he just likes to play a gimmick every once in a while. So dude, he killed it from a character standpoint. Like to be that fucking good on the mic and then go in there and just clean house like that. But that leads us to the, you know, our last entry. Your other boy, we watched Legion of Doom in ninety-two. In eighty-nine, Legion of Doom was this was peak Legion of Doom, dude. Um one other thing, I'll go back to it. I thought it was funny. They were riding on the back of two bikers' uh, motorcycles. 
I was like, this just kind of feels weird. Uh, it, it, it's a good, I guess a good weird. I don't care. But it was, I thought they'd be riding their own bikes, man. Like, this is bike week in Daytona. Let's ride our own motorcycles. It didn't matter. Baltimore was hot. So we get Animal in there. Uh, this leads to, to me, the finish. We don't get the doomsday device. It almost happens. But we get a, like a, a neck breaker submission. Uh, haven't seen that one before. Have you guys? No, never. Never have. It almost looked like a guillotine or something. Dude, it looked painful. Yeah, the hangman so neckbreaker. Yeah, just exactly. It's a neckbreaker. Oh, you hurt me. Anyways, the neckbreaker is a neckbreaker. Um, match is over, but what do they do? The, he, the winners are celebrating. Legion of Doom, Midnight Express, Steve Williams. Yeah. But to keep the story that much better, baby faces leave. The heels pull Animal in, jump him, beating the shit out of him. Perfect way to extend, like, you know, the heels still got that rub to keep the feud going. Woo! Are you guys ready? Ready as well. We went through the whole War Games match, and we're here. We're here to Ric Flair versus Terry Funk. Ric Flair's battling... Uh, I believe it was a pile driver onto a table. And this leads to a Ric Flair promo to set up this match, hurt neck and all. Brian, the nature ball. So, Terry Funk, back in 1989, I had intentions to take to go over to Vanderbilt, hang out with my good friend, the ultimate kidney warrior. Keeping in mind, we were going to foul profile we had amanda on the right trisha on the left a, a big shot of vodka for both of us maybe in a whole bottle and here you are in may you son of a bitch and i'm sitting here and you're on the you're on the interview table and dressed in a tuxedo just like you'd come from california thinking you were some big shot in a movie now i know earlier maddie daddy referenced this movie and definitely go watch it but at the same time, you're not even in the top 10. How can I respect you? But yet you got to put your nose in my business. And, you know, you took away from styling and profiling. For tonight, all I'm going to do is kick your ass. We're going to kick you. You hurt my neck. You tried to end my career. That's not happening. So after this match is over, the ultimate kidney warrior and myself, we're going to paint the town red. Woo! 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 The nature boy, the kidney warrior. Yeah. Um, we're here to the main event, man. Terry Funk, Ric Flair. This is a match in itself. I did not, I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough of it, and I'm glad I saw this. This to me was just the match of the night, dude. 17 minutes, singles match for the world title, title the, the chest slap, slaps. Everything. Ric Flair gets the rent win. Um, let's dive into it, man. Let's go you first, Brian. You just talked about it, your boy Nate. What was your takeaway from this badass match? Like you said, it was an awesome match. But first of all, I think it's really important that we that we go back and reset the background of it because, like I said, in May, at a Nash at a match here in Nashville, good old Funk there was commentating, and then. 
approach Flair like, "Hey, I should be, I should be uh, have an opportunity to win your world heavyweight belt, world heavyweight title." It's me, even though I'm not in the top ten. It's all about me. I thought that was weird too. Like you're saying, top ten. Like there was a rankings to which made it more believable, in my opinion, to keep the kayfabe aspect of it. Like, yeah, there was a there was a power twenty five. They should bring that back in all promotions. Like, let the fans vote. Let the uh, editors, the writers, everybody. Like, that's that's pretty d- badass. And so, you know, on top of that, I view, you know, Terry Funk, he's 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 also a Memphis guy. He's been a crazy nut for years. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a situation in Memphis between him and Lawler that they actually did not even have fans in the stands. But yet, Funk wanted to match with Lawler because he felt like he was getting totally disrespected. So they had a one-on-one match in a completely empty auditorium. So he's been a crazy loon for a long period of time. (laughs) Now, that being said, you know what you're going to get from Funk. It's going to be high volume. It's going to be break the rules, use use your poker, use whatever you need to to win. You got to respect him because his his dad is um, Dory Funk. And his right. brother was Dory Funk Jr. So, you know, it's a big wrestling family. And, he, and he's a heck of a wrestler. But that being said, he's not afraid to break the rules. Well, the nature boy typically is a little bit more scientific. But he came in, approached the ring, and he attacked Funk from the very beginning outside of the ring. So he had, got, he had gotten hurt back in May. He wasn't putting up with the shit now. So, Hey, Clayton, it's me, Terry Funk. I know you're from Texas. What do you think of my match with Flair? Let me tell you something, Terry. I'm a fan of yours, but the nature boy, Ric Flair, this night and every night is a star amongst normal mortal men because, oh, my God, that pop for Flair absolutely blew my mind. He is over like Rover. And, of course, it's Ric Flair. We shouldn't be surprised here. Now, give me a little minute to run down this match because this was a little bit longer than the other matches and a little bit better, and I'm going to tell you why. Absolutely. So you got Funk going to the outside and breaking that flimsy guardrail, which I noticed the whole pay-per-view. You're <laughs> waiting acting for like it. it. I was waiting for it. He went out, breaks it, looks down, goes, oh, shit. You know, just like an absolute bad man. And I, I love seeing that side of Terry Funk. We all do. I, if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a Terry Funk fan, seeing that madman come out of him is just maybe not the Chainsaw Charlie levels, you know, but. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. Hardcore, uh, though, man. He was hardcore, hardcore before as hardcore. Hell. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then those those flare chops are just, they're different. I mean, mm-hmm. Funk, Funk was trying to come back, but there's no way he can compete with these chops that flair is delivering to his chest my god any any man who can stand after a flair chop is just that's a bigger man than me i'll tell you what and then we have the branding iron of course you know the figure four funk gets the branding iron tossed into him by gary hart handed to him (laughs) and i'm going to tell you what if you ever want to see a smooth blade job watch (laughs) this match because the way he grabs it out of his finger tape as he rolls over gives himself good three head moves Tosses it off to the side. Oh, it was it was absolutely beautiful. And then, of course, you have Funk takes him to the corner. A couple more stiff shots, open him up a little more. Let's get that color going. You know, and then uh, from there, 
From there, you got Funk hitting the pile driver on Flair, and this this was the storyline of the match that you know so, one one good yeah. pile driver that could that could be it for Flair. You know that could be the end. Uh, takes him down, tries it on the exposed floor. It was reversed though, luckily for Flair. And then uh, you got neckbreakers galore, man. He's really really focusing on that neck. Uh, then then you Let's have here's some getting... crunch. There crunch. it is. Oh, oh <laughs> the crunch. You got Flair getting funk with the branding iron. And then what really got me after this match, you know, you have you have Muda coming out with the mist of Flair. And this is this is after Flair reverses the inside cradle to win. You got Muda come out out of nowhere and just just, just missed Flair right in the face. So you've got this beautiful visual of the 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 platinum blonde hair, the red blood and and, and the green mist, you know, just yeah. caked on his face. And of course, you have Sting come to the rescue. And I kept thinking to myself, oh, this match is over. You know, at first I said, oh, this is over. Sting and Flair stand tall in the ring. And then Funk throws a chair in at Flair. And Flair with the oh, hell no, gets out of the ring and chases yeah. after his ass. And these are the moments in wrestling I love when that, that line between reality and oh, work fucking kept going. blurred. Yeah. And I said... I said he jumped out pretty quick. Is this, is this a work? Or is this, a, is this a shoot, brother? You know, and, yeah. and the way it kept going on and on, it just it 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 kept me enthralled throughout the entirety of it. Dude, and you see just from this main event, the crowd, um, you you get Flair gets the win. Obviously, it's Flair. It's it's the goat. It's we we'll talk about it. Till the cows come home. Till the cows come home, Clay. It's Terry Funk. It was a pleasure talking about you, Terry Funk. You are a stud. Roadhouse, 1989. Go watch it. But the show stealer, Ric Flair, man, gets the win. Um, the crowd's hot for Sting. TV champ, Sting. Not your U.S. champ. To me, I, the, the U.S. champ is higher than the TV champ, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't yes. get Steamboat coming out there. You don't get Luger coming out there. You get the TV champ, the Blade Runner. Oh, that sounded like a hog. Anyways, Woo. Sting. It's Sting. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Sting, dude. Sting and Ric Flair, man. This is uh, this is the main event. It's setting up for Halloween Havoc, the tag match. Muta. Muta. Keep calling him Muta. Oh, Muta. I can't talk. Dude, dude, dude. Uh, Great Muda, Terry Funk versus Sting, Ric Flair. Who doesn't want to see Sting and Ric Flair as a tag team in 1989? All right. So we've had an amazing pay-per-view. It's been great. But everybody wants to know what's going on in WWF in this time. So we have SummerSlam right around the corner. We're in July for Great American Bash, August, end of July, early August is SummerSlam 89. You know what you're getting? The whole time I was watching this, I was like, where is where is American Dream, baby? Dusty Rose, baby. He's in WWF facing the honky tonk, man. 89 SummerSlam. Not only that, but you got Ric Flair in the main event. Where Where's the horseman? Where's the Calvary? Arn Anderson and Tully in WWF, like fresh. They just got here. You know who they're facing at SummerSlam 89? The Hart Foundation. 
So you're giving me the Brain Busters versus the Heart Foundation, Dusty Rhodes versus Honky Tonk Man, Kidney Warrior, the Ultimate Warrior versus the Ravishing One, Rick Rude. And then the main event, we just talked about the Mega Powers, Hogan Savage. What a stacked year of wrestling 1989 was. Quick thoughts on 89, Clayton? I wish I would have been old enough in 89 to watch and appreciate this for what it was because going back, I mean, it it absolutely blew my mind. You, from top to bottom, had a star, star-studded pay-per-view. You had a star-studded roster no matter where you went, and it was an absolutely beautiful time in wrestling. Right, 1989. You've seen, I just read off, Rude, uh, Warrior, Hogan, Savage, Dusty Rose, Honky Tonk Man, and we've just seen this event. What is your takeaway from 89? Well, unlike Clayton, I'm, I'm thankful I was old enough to remember it. And you're right, this is the pinnacle of wrestling because nothing, nothing against modern-day stuff. I think it's great, too. But I really like the old style where you've got Georgia wrestling, you have Memphis wrestling, you know, you have WCW, you have everything. Territories, absolutely. And and it, it, you know, you had like you said, you had a choice. Now it's, you know, there are three different shows, but they're all under the same corporate umbrella. I, I like that as well, but it's kind of neat looking back, especially now at a time when I was old enough to live it. You look back and say, "Wow, you know, at the time of this particular pay per view, like we discussed earlier, you've got some people that've been wrestling like like the Road Warriors were 1983, so they've been in it for around six years, and then you look at the the younger crowd like the Stings." they're on their way up and like you said even with even with the wwf it's you know it's a it's a crowded roster so you know it's it's a lot of minor league to to the professional leagues and vice versa moving back and forth it's just a lot of moving parts and it was awesome from a blonde scott hall to a probably like 12 time wcw champ rick flair Woo! 89 is on fire Real quick, wrestler of the night, Clayton, hit me with it. Who is your man? Oh, wrestler of the night has to absolutely be Ric Flair. I think any other answer is wrong. Solid. Brian? Well, since I went second, I'll, I'll go co. I'll, 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 I'll stay with Clayton on Flair, but you've also got to go with the stinger here as well. So, well, in me, like uh, most pay-per-views, you will see that I am a homer. I'm going to go with, I'm a fan, baby. This is who I want. Michael Hayes, P.S., come on down. Dude, 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 killing it. I love seeing the character. I love seeing those DDTs. I love just free birds, baby. Free birds. I'm going to say it a million times in the next whatever long it takes. Uh, Bad Street, USA. The baddest street a bad yeah anyways pay-per-view rating i'm gonna go first 89 was solid i'm going nine i enjoyed it that much brian pay-per-view rating i wasn't sure if we were going to one to ten or one to five but now i know it's one to ten i'll go right there with you i'm at a nine also clayton renegade my mega power brother dude let me tell you something brother we're unanimous dude because this was an absolute nine and what are these people going to do, Matty Daddy, when the Mega Beards run wild on you? 
It's really freak out, freak out, freak out. Mega viewers, stay tuned. We have more to come. Um, as you heard earlier in our pod, our 96 bash at the beach. We've heard a lot of Hogan impersonations tonight. I think we're going to have uh, something in store with Hogan next week. Bash at the beach, 96. That's WCW versus uh, the Outsiders, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and a mystery third man taking over wrestling. Um, we get out of here, guys. I'm the Maddie Day, 2652. This is just a small piece of the puzzle, doing fantasy football, doing wrestling, doing life. Let's get out of here. Clayton, I know you're doing fantasy football. I know you're grinding. I know you're the renegade. Where can they find you? That's right. You can find me at Burner of Stone on Twitter, Burner of Stone. And keep an eye out because I, I have a special project de- dipping, my, dipping my toe into the fantasy football world. I love it. And now I'm going to get a little bit more involved. Dude, I think the water's warm right now. I think now's a good time to kind of test it out. Brian, I know you've had a hell of a fucking week. You're the kidney warrior. You, uh, you're the power of positivity. Real talk, real quick. I don't want to overset my boundaries, but I know you're dealing with your own thing, but I know you are the voice for the voiceless sometimes. So just kind of fill just a short spill about you, your situation, and uh, where they can find you. They need a shoulder to talk to or just need some positivity in their life. Thanks, Maddie. Um, first of all, before I forget it, I'm going to go ahead and tell you where you can locate me. Um, I'm Vandygrad92 at Twitter. But, you know, I, I do fantasy football there with Matt. We're doing FF Affair. Of course, we all do the wrestling, Matt. And those are all great things, and I hope you all will follow us. But just like Matt said, we're also doing life. So I had a, tra- I had a kidney transplant um, August the 11th. And then found out last week that my wife had breast cancer. So, you know, it's, it's a new, her name's Sarah. Um, so it's a new diagnosis. Um, but just like we fought with the kidney, we're going to fight with this too. But any Hell thoughts yeah. and prayers out there that are listening would be great. So, Brian, and if, if we've met anything, um, you're a good guy. I've known you for maybe six months and I've, you're, you're part of my clique. Part of my wolf pack, all you guys are. But Brian, just know that everybody's rooting for you. And we all want, you know, like I said, life's a bitch sometimes. But just know we're all in this together. We're all in life together. We all got each other's back. On a positive note, is the Maddie Daddy, the Wrestling Map Podcast, WCW, hitting it all month. We got our Elimination Chamber at the end of the month. We're going to do a live stream. I hope to get all you ghouls and gals in it. Do, do, do. Thank you. Good night.